Thank you for joining us for our Building Smart podcast summer series kickoff, where each episode will feature expert guests on a variety of hot and relevant topics to the building space. I'm Lauren, Marketing Director at Site1001, and my co-host is Aaron, Director of Digital Design at Site1001. Hey, Aaron. Hi, Lauren. How are you doing today? <laughs> doing well. Good, good. How was Memorial Day? We are recording right after Memorial Day. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it went well. It always seems short, but plenty warm, so summer is here. Awesome. It's been unseasonably cold and rainy, actually, in, in Southern California, unfortunately. So lucky you. We have not <sighs> seen summer yet, still. But moving right along, today, we are very excited to be joined by Philip Kopp, CEO and co-founder of Connectric, and a serial entrepreneur and expert in clean tech, energy, and international hospitality. Welcome, Philip. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Hey. Yeah, of course. We also want to mention we are very proud to announce that Site1001 and Connectric are actually joining forces. Hooray. Very excited about that, right. too. Yeah, this is exciting times. Definitely. And as a Site1001 preferred partner, Connectric is going to be leading the charge on wireless sensors. It's a super exciting time to be a part of this IoT world, Aaron and Phil, and to think about what can change a property into a place. You know, somewhere someone actually wants to be. So thank you again for joining us, Phil. Uh, can you tell us more about yourself and Connectric? Yeah, sure. I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. I, I love technology. I'm a, I'm a real technophile. So I like getting into whatever the, the latest and the greatest things are that are, are, are going to change the, you know, and impact our lives and, and, uh, and, and our society. And I think that, you know, we live, we're living in an amazing time. You know, we've, we've been through a lot of uh, technological advancements over the last 50 years. And what's interesting is everything that we've done, all the work that we've done, really is just setting the foundation, you know, for that, you know, Jetson's future that, <laughs> that we all uh, in, envisioned maybe 20 or 30 years ago. And, uh, and a lot of that's here right now. A lot of it is, is, uh, is, is pretty baked in to uh, to make that happen and uh, so my my entire uh you know career as a as a technologist as an entrepreneur um has been looking into you know what kind of challenges uh can I solve that are going to have an impact uh on society one way or another and I've always been very interested in in energy and uh and, and particularly efficiency and how we can Treat our uh, our planet and our natural resources in a in a better way, uh, and and still be able to enjoy the quality of service and uh, and and the lifestyles and the the advancements in civilization that we want to. And and there's definitely a balance there. Um, so I've spent a lot of time looking for ways to do that. And buildings, uh, you know, are a big part of that since we spend so much time in our buildings. And I've I've also done a lot of traveling. Um, I've been around the world. I've I've lived in uh, both uh, Europe and South America and in North America, and I I love the perspective that different cultures bring uh, to the world and technology use. And so I I, I really like uh, applying that experience and uh, and turning those in, into uh, uh, business concepts. That's great. And so, what about that brought Connectric into fruition? 
Well, I'll tell you what, a lot of it had to do with changes in, in our grid systems and our energy systems uh, over the last five years, mostly related to, to renewable energies, you know, things like solar uh, distributed energy and, uh, and more recently battery storage systems or energy storage systems um, and, and how that's impacted our, uh, our energy system. And, and really what I saw was, you know, a, a much more dynamic environment. Um, sort of evolving ar- around our businesses. Um, there's been major ch- uh, changes and shifts in the professional workplace approach. Also, you have a much more dynamic working environment. Uh, you have a lot more emphasis on on sort of that work-life balance, and you know how much time do people spend in the office versus outside versus with their families. All of these things, you know, make our buildings much more dynamic uh, in nature and. And what I saw um, looking in, into these things um, that kind of drew me into to starting this company uh, was, was I saw sort of a, a gap, uh, a need in order to be able to make these environments more dynamic. And, and that gap is, is really in, in data and uh, data collection. And so we have great software um, developing uh, some amazing solutions, you know, like your guys' uh, solutions that, that can leverage big data and and artificial intelligence and some of these great technologies that are coming out. Um, but really, you know, there, there has to be a data source that's able to collect enough information uh, in a dynamic way that, that can, uh, you know, you make these software as, as powerful as they should be and deliver the, uh, the results that we're all looking for. And so I set out this company to sort of solve that part of the problem. You know, um, how do we how do we collect the data? Where do we get it from? What what kind of sensors? And then how to do it in a, in a scalable way? Um, and I think, you know, everybody is is familiar with their typical, you know, kind of home automation things, or or their you know their Nest thermostats, or their their Amazon Echoes, and their little uh, you know residential solutions. But when you you talk about big buildings large commercial building environments, office buildings, hotels, casinos, shopping malls. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about a lot more data input and it requires a different a different systems approach. And the biggest issue right now is uh, that I see in terms of data collection, there's plenty of sensors out there, but if they're attached to wires, it makes them very hard to install and very expensive to install. And so that's the... the uh, the problem that we tackled uh, in Connectric was was okay. How do we how do we basically eliminate the wires? How can we just make all these systems wireless so that we can go in into our existing buildings around the world and make them dynamic data collection environments? Yeah, you just hit on so many of the reasons that Connectric is a preferred partner to Site Ten Hundred One. Uh, your sensors get the data that feed the building's brain, so that we're listening to everything a building is saying. And we can use it to make buildings better, uh, more efficient, and more comfortable, uh, which are all really hot topics in the building world these days, especially commercial real estate. Like WeWork continues to be above the fold in news, and imitation companies continue to appear, um, hoping to ride the coattails of co-working success. Yet, uh, there's plenty of room for office spaces to improve. And In fact, I just read a report that indicated 50% of office space is empty. And there 
is often significant misalignment between spaces and how they're used, uh, especially in conference rooms. So, Phil, how can smart tech like sensors address issues like these that are so commonly found in offices? Yeah, I think you just, you know, you you kind of highlighted, uh, you know, one of the, the key problems that we're solving. And also, I think, you know, an important outcome of the partnership that, that we built between Connectric Insight 1001. And so what, what we're really um, talking about doing is being able to go into these existing buildings, office spaces, conference rooms, you know, even the common areas and, and the recreational parts of these buildings um, and put in wireless sensors uh, without, you know, a whole lot of installation effort, really being able to just kind of walk up and stick a sensor on the wall and, and walk away. And that sensor is, is feeding data, you know, into the, into the uh, platforms like Skylight, where, where they, they can begin to, you know, analyze, okay, what, what part of this building is 50% unoccupied, or, or maybe it's 70% unoccupied, um, or, or maybe it's only 20% unoccupied. And, and, and this area over here is, extremely busy and and it's actually uncomfortable uh for people to work there because it's too crowded um so by being able to to pull this data in in real time you get a lot of of potential uh outcomes and and benefits and so some of those like you mentioned that the uh the shared office space models that are becoming very uh very very popular i think it's driven by a couple of different things um, but if we look at a, a, an office building that's, that's 50% unoccupied, um, really what it provides is an opportunity uh, for those models to come in and, and occupy that space. And that's, that's really uh, worth a huge amount of money when what we're seeing in terms of the numbers that you know, organizations like banks that have a lot of corporate office space and, and are finding it underutilized are, are able to get out of that. It's really driven by the cost of real estate. Hmm. And so our, our, our real estate is so expensive, particularly in, in gateway cities, you know, in, in key markets where, where people want to be, where companies want to be, um, you know, where, where tech, you know, is thriving. And, um, and we see the cost of real estate being so high. And these companies are, are saying, look, 50% of our building is, is unoccupied. What's the dollar value on that? It's huge. It's just really a lot of money. And so the issue is that kind of today, there's no data input. It's, it's cumbersome or it's difficult to go and, and put sensors in or, or really do a plan of figuring out, you know, where those optimizations exist, you know, wh which, which buildings, which floors can we turn into, you know, into WeWork spaces? Um, and then how do we operate those WeWork spaces efficiently once, once they, they're converted? Um, it's, it's, it's very challenging to go install that because you're going to disrupt the employees that are there. You're going to disrupt, you know, the organization. Um, it's, it's going to be hit or miss. You, you might find 20% of the value if you put the sensor in the right place, uh, but you might, you might lose 80% of the value if you put the sensor in the wrong place. And, and what we're helping is with this solving this challenge is by just making it really easy to go put lots of sensors in. Um, all over the place without really any restrictions, um, not worried about the cost, not worried about disruption. Um, you know, you're really not going to impact any of the employees doing that and then getting that valuable data back out on the, on the outside. But it, there's so many benefits, but really the, the cost of real estate, I think is, is a major one driving these initiatives. There's a couple of things I wanted to 
touch on after what you just said. One being, yeah, is that the biggest objection for, I guess, censoring up a building or censoring up even an office space um, that it will disrupt the occupants? Because I know you mentioned earlier that um, the biggest problem that you had prior was just that the sensors were not wireless and that was just uh, a nightmare to install and, and make work together. But yeah, is, is that the primary thing that you're hearing now or what's scaring people from making their buildings more smart and censored up? That, that's actually, that, that's a great question. And, and ironically, they're kind of interrelated. So, um, you know, definitely anytime that you're dealing with, with wires, for sure, you're going to cause a lot of disruption. Um, and, and mainly it's just the amount of time that it takes to install things. If there's not, you know, if there's not power available at the right spot, mm -hmm. I mean, imagine you have a, a ceiling network and, and you have to tap into all the electrical light fixtures and things like that, that that's going to take time. Um, and, and that can be planned around work hours and things, but it's, it's, it's definitely disruptive. But I think the bigger one that you just touched, uh, is, is really has to do with the it systems, uh, in buildings and the network security. It's, that's really a big question, uh, that comes up constantly. So when you're dealing with wires, you're usually going to be integrating into the existing IT system. You're talking about, you know, typical Wi-Fi routers and things like that. And every single Wi-Fi router, every access point is a is a potential security, you know, attack vector for for someone that's savvy that's trying to to break into a business's um, IP. Uh, and and that's that's an issue that it's it's a global issue. You hear about it in the news all the time. There's there's something that maybe maybe they're calling it a trade war. I don't know what it is um, that, that's going on that, <clears throat> that really focuses on on these sort of uh, um, real life uh, problems that <clears throat> excuse me that we're seeing in, in in business around the world today. So that I think is the biggest one. And what what we really do uh, to address that is is our devices, our sensors come in totally over the top and they're completely disconnected. Um, they don't touch the IT networks at all. So it's a completely redundant, totally separate, totally parallel uh, system. We're not using any of the existing Wi-Fi infrastructure in the buildings. We're not using anybody's phones as, as infrastructure in the buildings. Um, and, and we can even literally take the data out directly into like your Skylight platform uh, over a cellular backhaul. So that it literally doesn't touch any IT system in the building. And that's the conversation starter right there that I think is it really makes the difference between moving forward with one of these projects and not moving forward. And as soon as we say, hey, we're not going to touch your IT system, not, not even a single IP address, it's, it's coming completely out separately then the facilities managers and the building people and the IT people just kind of have this big sigh of relief. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's one less thing we have to worry about. Now we can do it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Just actually read an article this morning about how IoT cyber attacks were going to be the new, the new normal. <laughs> so terrifying. But when you think about all the data that's attached to it, it's obviously appealing for the bad guys to get into that. So it's great that your sensors are protected from that. What else do you think makes a good sensor besides being secure and easy to install? Well, I, I think 
those are really the the key issues. At the end of the day, a, a sensor it, it pretty much is a sensor. So, it, the, the, you know, reading a, a, a temperature reading um, is that temperature reading is it's going to be the same data point ten years from now as it is today. It, it doesn't matter how advanced technology gets. Um, although I did re, uh, read recently that they just changed uh, the definition of a kilogram. Um, which, which is kind of interesting for, for the first time. Wow. Since, uh, since forever. So I guess they could change the definition of, uh, I hadn't, uh, hadn't heard that of, of a Fahrenheit or, or of a Celsius. Um, you know, that, that those are the, the advancements in science that we're trying to uh, get to today. But at the end of the day, I mean, a degree of, of, of Fahrenheit is going to be a degree of Fahrenheit 10 years from now and, and, and all. Uh, actuality. So I think the sensor itself is not quite as important, but what we see as important is how easy is it to use and is it secure? And, and I guess the final one to add on top of that is just how hard is it to maintain? And that's a big one. Um, and it's really why, why you see uh, the most advanced communicating buildings in the world today really are attached to wires. Uh, the example that I, that I love to give is, this building in Amsterdam called The Edge that Deloitte built, sort of to prove a point. It has something like 28,000 sensors in it, mm -hmm. uh, and, and uh, they're all attached to wires. And the main reason for that is because of maintenance. Uh, people are worried about what happens. I mean, if you installed 20,000 sensors in, in your office building, what happens when the batteries die? Are you going to run around to 20,000 sensors <laughs> and change the batteries? I mean, that's that's a huge effort that would be required. Job security. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> you're going to have you're going to create a new job title, which is sensor battery changer. People will graduate from high school with the ambition of becoming sensor battery changers. I mean, that's <laughs> that's, that's kind of what you're talking about. And and the other thing is, you know, with these networks, is how do you manage them? Um, and there's a lot of software and there's a, a lot of tech that's gone into sort of like, okay, well, what happens if this sensor goes down or that router goes down or it has to be reconfigured or something happens um, or it has to be updated? That's a big challenge when you're talking about tens of thousands of, of devices. Um, and so what we've done is as a company, you know, in addition to the first couple points, we've really focused on that sort of ease of, of operation. It's really designed in our network architecture. So when we talk about battery-powered sensor, those are really just communicating the you know uh, the last part, you know the last mile or, or the last hundred feet. That makes them very battery optimized and, uh, and and allows us to pretty much communicate in real time for like ten years on a battery. So we're not too worried about how long it's going to be. By that time, we kind of figure that the the device itself will be amortized. You know, you, you'll you'll have had all of your value many times over um, when when by the time your first battery change comes around, and um, and in terms of maintaining the devices and those networks and connections, uh, we we just spent a lot of R and D. I mean, li literally millions of dollars poured into how to make these devices um, self managing, so that you don't need a, a, a cloud coordinator somewhere. To, to manage, you know, what these devices are doing and how they're connected at any given moment, you know, and, and having them be smart enough to do that themselves. And, you know, that's, that's tech stuff that, 
building operator or the building owner really doesn't want to know about. You know, they, they just want to know that it works. Mm-hmm. Um, but but there's a lot that goes into making it that simple. And that's that's really, um, you know, kind of the experience that, that we've done, uh, because at the end of the day, we want the, you know, the software, your guys's platform to be focused on the output, on the analytics, on uh, what, what, what do you do with the data and how do you how does that make the building a more comfortable in a more efficient environment, I'm not focused on, oh, geez, how much work do we have to spend managing these these sensor networks? Right. So I think that begs the question for me. Do you do you think that the sensor that sensor data will actually either eventually or inevitably impact office costs or office rent costs? I, I think it will. Yeah. And it's it's definitely yeah. there's I mean, there, there's a there's a lot of interesting economic theories, um, you know, and, and we started with this looking at, at the energy space, which is, you know, eventually if you balance the grid uh, enough, the average cost comes down. And, and it's similar with, you know, with office space. I think if, if you balance the office space, um, it's going to have an impact. Um, you're going to find that, you know, some spaces are worth more um, and some spaces are, are worth less. But a lot of it has to do with time. Time value of money, you know, is a company signing a lease for 10 years or 20 years, or are they able to sign a lease for one or two years? Maybe they'll pay a premium mm-hmm. uh, for a shorter lease uh, as they see their companies growing. We see it all the time. These Amazon, you know, HQ RFPs that turn into these huge process and everybody's city wants the new, you know, Amazon HQ. But is that really the business model of, of the future? Um, obviously, Amazon is is a leader in a, in a lot of places, but we see companies, you know, becoming more distributed and, and workforces becoming more distributed. The last company that, that I founded is a big advocate of that. I mean, we, we have uh, hundreds of employees in, in like 20 different countries. Um, so the, it's a very distributed workforce and it works great, but yeah, it's going to impact costs uh, one way or another. And I, I think, you know, really, it's about efficiency. It's, it's kind of like the Uber model, right? You know, do you, do you, your, your car sits in your garage 97% of the time. Uh, is, is that really efficient? And it's kind of like, well, if there's an office space here, you know, do I really need it 100% of the time? No. I, you know, I may use this conference room uh, a, a couple hours a week. So why do I need to be, you know, paying for that? Um, you know, 8,760 8, hours a year if, if I don't use it that much. It's, it's, a, it's a pervasive business model. You know, right. it's, it's, it's everywhere these days. So because people are becoming more remote, um, besides just different offices around the world, but people are often working from home too, what do you think buildings can do to keep people actually wanting to go to work? Well, I think there's a lot that can be done there. And that's one of the things that excites me so much about the work that you guys are doing and, and your software platform. And we've talked about this interactivity uh, between the building and the occupant. And I think, you know, today's buildings really are, are you know, for lack of a better way of saying, they're, they're kind of dumb. You know, there may be some automation stuff that the facilities guys use that's pretty high tech. But the occupants themselves don't really see that. Um, I think what's exciting are some of these concepts uh, around like your, your voice activation, your Carl assistant, um, you know, being able to say, hey, Carl, um, you know, I'd like an espresso um, or hey, Carl, 
you know, can you make it a little bit brighter in here? I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm drawing, um, or, or something like that. And, and that's really, um, that's really, I think what's going to attract people, especially the younger generations. We talk about millennials a, lo a lot. There, there's, you know, I, I'll, there's always this big question mark, uh, for, for me, whether I'm, I'm actually a millennial or not, I'm right. I'm right on the cusp. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I've grown up uh, with computers pretty much my whole life, but but you talk about this interactivity and and can you bring voice? Can you bring screen interactivity to a building? Absolutely, and and that's that's I think what makes it more exciting um, to people. There's a lot of examples about that, and, and it makes buildings more secure and makes them more comfortable. There's all these problems about people that you hear about it all the time, fighting over the the office thermostat. You know, Susie likes it you know, cold and Jim likes it hot. And, you know, whose turn is it today to be cold or hot? Because one or the other is going to be uncomfortable, right? <laughs> it's, it's guaranteed right. that someone is going to be unhappy. Do you have a real world example of a story where, where you guys went and installed some stuff and, and you heard something like that where you either fixed a problem or you realized you had a problem? Yeah, it, it, exactly. Well, there, there's a, I mean, there's, tons of cases like that but what what we found to be really exciting is this idea of sort of comfort zones within within an office space so if you have a flexible office layout and you use the the sensors and the software and you can integrate those in, in the building systems you can actually uh, create comfort zones so there will be you know one part of the office will be a, the cold part and, and one part will be the warmer part and so you know Susie can go to the cold part and be comfortable and Jim can go to the warm part and be comfortable, and they can both work and be comfortable at the same time, which is a, a pretty novel thing uh, in today's offices. And, and we have a number. I mean, in New York City, we have uh, we have some some buildings that are doing that. A lot of examples where uh, you know this technology application just makes environments more enjoyable. And I think that uh, to answer your initial question, that's going to draw people you know, back, back into the office. If, if I have to go to the office and be uncomfortable, uh, and I have the option to stay at home and be comfortable, what choice do you think I'm going to make? Right. So, so we have to be, we have to think about the people. And, and I think that's, that's an important aspect to, to all of this. Yeah. I, I think that by making all these places or these, these properties more into places. So they're actually where people want to go and people will be actually going to work instead of just at their home. But, um, Wow. Thank you for all your insights today, Phil. Um, and we are very grateful for your time. I also have one more thing I have to ask before we sign off. Um, and it's from a rumor I heard. Uh -oh. I heard that you race cars <laughs> with Danica Patrick. Is this true? Yeah. Uh, a long time ago <laughs> in another life, uh, that, that was definitely my thing. And, um, and, and, and bright being right on the cusp of being a millennial, um, there's, there's a group of us that are all about the same age. Uh, and, um, and, and, and Danica was definitely a part of that group. And we, we had some, some, uh, fun and, and interesting times back in those teenage years. Did you ever put sensors onto your cars? Uh, as a matter of fact, I did, and that, that I think that was the the genesis of uh, of this whole story. Um, when I was about fourteen years old, uh, I, I got approached by a company in the UK called Pi Research, and and they they were really into sensors and uh, and analytics software, and we used those on the cars to to make them faster. And I was 
I was one of the guinea pigs. Um, you know, I was really into technology even at that age, and uh, and, and spent a lot of time developing sensors and uh, and using them to to go faster. And I, I like to think that it gave me a competitive advantage. But I think the uh, you know that that technology, um, the sensors themselves re- really aren't that different today. It's it's really what we're doing in buildings. And uh, and I actually think of that. Quite a bit, which is, you know, really what we're doing is we're, we're kind of racing these buildings. We're putting sensors in there and and we're trying to make them as optimized as possible. And it's it's pretty much the same concept as uh, as, as doing a quick lap around around the brickyard. Well, we're going to have to save more Danica Patrick stories for another podcast, I think. <laughs> we'll we'll uh, it'll be a different a different uh, series. But we'll I think that, that wraps it up. The rental car wars. How about that one? That that would be an okay. podcast. Good working title. I like it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that wraps it up for today's episode. Thank you again, Phil, for your time and coming on today. We appreciate it greatly. What what is the best way for our listeners to to find you or contact you? You know, we we uh, we we do a lot of tweeting. Uh, we we do a lot of LinkedIn activity. You can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I, I do some medium articles every once in a while. Um, and you can find me there. And, and, uh, so we're pretty active online in, uh, in all the social media. And, uh, of course you can learn more about our company at connectric.com, C-O-N-E-C-T-R-I-C.com and, uh, and, and look for, look for me online and, uh, social media. Awesome. Great. Thanks again, Phil. Awesome. Uh, thank you, Phil, and thank you, listeners, for joining Building Smart by Site 101 today. Stay tuned for future episodes by subscribing on your favorite podcast app. We have an exciting schedule of great guests joining us this summer to talk about smart buildings, smart cities, commercial real estate, uh, Indian gaming casinos, insurance, and more. So talk to you next time.